winner is. The 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 winner is. I'm so excited. The winner is. Welcome to another special bonus episode of the KBB Review Podcast, all about the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. It's the biggest and longest-running awards in the UK and Ireland kitchen and bathroom industry, and the closing date for entries is now only a couple of weeks away. You have until end of play on Thursday, February the 18th, to get your entries to us. And, as it has always been, it is totally free to enter. Now, when you've sent your entry in, it goes through our unique judging process, and that involves, as you would imagine, judges. Top KBB designers and business people combing through every word and image to find their favourites. So, what are they actually looking for? How can you put your entry together in a way that jumps out at them? And what does it take to produce a winning entry? In this and the next episode, we'll be meeting a couple of our judges and asking them those very questions and more. We're going to start today with our business categories and catch up with the very successful former boss of shower tray manufacturer JT and all-round industry expert Paul Crossley. We'll be climbing inside his brain, not literally, that would be hideous, to see if we could draw out some gems of advice for you if you're a retailer putting your entries together. Don't forget, the closing date is Thursday, February the 18th. It's open to any retailers and designers of kitchens and bathrooms in the UK and Ireland. And you can find out all the info you need at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. And that link is in the episode description. But before we get into that... A massive thank you before we get going to our podcast partner for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021... And that is our superb friends at Swift Electrical. Swift Electrical is the UK's number one big brand distributor of sinks, taps and appliances. And it's great to have them along for the journey for this year's awards. So if I was wearing a hat, it would be tipped to them. You can find out all about their latest offers at swiftuk.co.uk or call a member of the Swift team. Right, let's meet the first of our judges now. And we're going to start with one of our retail judges, and that is, down the line, I hope, Paul Crossley. Hello, Paul. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Thank you for sparing us a bit of time. I slightly feel like a Dalek talking to you, but I I, (laughs) I will make this short and informative if I can. There's a first time for everything. (laughs) Now... Most people listening to this will know you, I'm sure, but for those that don't, let's start with your credentials here. Can you give everyone your 20-second KBB industry CV? Ah, well, I was managing director of Just Trays for over 20 years, built the business up to be one of the market leaders in our sector, enjoyed a tremendous time at the helm through private equity ownership and bank ownership. And uh, fortunately, or unfortunately, I exited the business a year and a half ago. So you are a very successful guy within this industry, but you also know the industry back to front. That's one of the also impressive things. You know everybody, everybody knows you. You're the guy to come to when you want the gossip of who's doing what. (laughs) So, you know, you understand what makes a very successful business, and that's why you're here in this judging capacity. You were a judge for the first time last year, the 2020 awards but you've kind of been in and around it for quite for years haven't you in, in that JT role yeah I look I've been in, in and around the industry for probably almost 30 years prior to that spring around bathrooms for a large period of time and then 
and then just trades forever over 20 years. The interesting thing about the awards was, you know, I attended it God knows how long ago as a sales manager, then sales director, then as a sponsor for three years. And then I was very, very surprised and proud to have received the Special Achievement Award. So you know, when you go into any business, you know what you're looking for, you know what makes success and what doesn't from top to bottom. Here's a good question for you. As someone who's been in the industry for so long, I don't mean this in a kind of just tell us how great we are, but why do you think awards are so important to this sector? And on top of that, why is being shortlisted or even winning it such an important tool for your business? Why is this so much more than just an excuse to all get together and have a drink and give some trophies out? Well, I think, first of all, winning an award is a great achievement for you personally, particularly if you've worked very hard through stressful periods. I mean, it's a great slap on the back. You know, someone once told me, you know, awards are only for what you've done and what not what you're going to do. But saying that, though, once you have won one of these awards, it's really about using it as a great opportunity and seeing the opportunity that the award can make to your business. I mean, it's fantastic PR and it can truly differentiate your business from others, bringing in new customers and businesses, hopefully. But it's down to you as a business and as an individual if you're lucky enough to win one of these awards, to milk it for all it's worth, really. Winning something that the industry regards that you to be the best of, I believe certainly helps massively. And the thing I was trying to get across to people is, yes, there's always that risk, of course, that you don't win or you don't get shortlisted, but it's all completely free. I mean, it's the best investment you can possibly make because it doesn't cost you anything. But if it does pay out, then the the value of it is immeasurable. Yeah, and I, I think when you go in for these awards, having spoken to some of the finalists in previous years and obviously judged both categories last year, and there were a lot of entrants that we went through and shortlisted, you know, it does mean a great deal. But again, you've got to understand what you're going to do with it and what a difference it's going to make to your business. All right, so let's get into the details here. Now, you're part of the panel that judges the... Brace yourself. The Kitchen Retailer of the Year, the Bathroom Retailer of the Year, the Kitchen Showroom of the Year, the Bathroom Showroom of the Year, the New Kitchen Retailer of the Year, and New Bathroom Retailer of the Year. So that's that's a big chunk of, of categories there. When you get that virtual pile of entries in front of you, and you've got to go through them all, what are you looking for? What's got to jump out at you when you take that first pass at them? Make your entrance really simple. Don't try and write more on peace. Be passionate and proud about your business. Be concise. Be enthusiastic. The one thing I found from some of the entrants last year, which I found very useful, is using examples and images of how they've done things. Or like, and, and even more important this year, I mean, the one thing I will say is, thank goodness I did judge last year in a, in a relatively normal year, because this year the judging is going to be so difficult. A lot of what I saw, certainly in the finalists that I visited and met, on a one-to-one, it wasn't what they professionally presented to me because they're going to do a great job doing that. They've honed it. They've worked out what they're going to say to me. It was when I visited the business and walked around and spoke to people behind the scenes that really determined the winner, and that's going to be so difficult to do this year. So, look, don't be overwrought with the process of filling out these application forms. You might have a bit of extra time on your hands this year than you've done before, but just do them from the heart. Tell us about what you've done. Tell us about how different you've had to work or that you've changed products or suppliers. I mean, it'd be really interesting to hear, particularly from 
the retailer point of view, how you've managed to fight, it's probably too strong a word, against online, keeping your business away from just clicking collect. And, and what have you done differently? How have you interacted with the customers? You know, the environment you work in, how has that changed? The product offerings, entering people's houses and planning and installing. I was speaking to quite a few retailers in the first lockdown and they were saying, look, it's not the orders that we're finding a, a problem. It's actually getting into people's houses, you know, with all the PPE and COVID to get into install. How have you done that? I mean, I think there's more to say this year than there's ever been before. One of the things we've been saying over and over again here is tell us your story. Tell us the story of of your 2020 because no one's expecting, certainly not judges in, in these kind of situations, no one's expecting people to have made loads of money, to have had enormous growth. What you're looking for here is a story of adaptation, a story of, in some cases, survival, a, a story of pivoting, a horrible business where pivoting, and, you know, of crisis management. These are all, these are all a story that you've got to tell. Yes. And, in fact, we've brought in, a, in specific criteria this year, coronavirus response, to judge these things because we can't pretend that it's been a normal year because it just hasn't. Now, I think you're right, though. Some people get quite daunted about the idea of writing about their own business in this way. It's not school. You know, you're not writing an essay. Uh, you're not getting marked on how you've written it. It's about getting across the facts and ideas in the most succinct, informative way. And we've got a lot of entrance to go through. And, and genuinely, I mean, you know, I took it very, very seriously last year because it was my first year. And I will do again this year, don't get me wrong. But most of these people have employed people. So you would have seen CVs land on your desk. And it really is that first opening page of your CV about your business, what you've done this year, that is going to really draw us in and make it punchy. Tell us about it. So, you know, we open up and we want to learn more about your business. Yeah. I think one of the things that lots of people also assume is that this is only sort of big retail businesses. You know, we've had the, you know, regular uh, names that pop up uh, again and again in some of these shortlists uh, are sort of big retail businesses and very successful ones year in year out but actually there's no criteria that says it's about size or or how many millions of quid you make every, every day all the criteria are based on how you run your business with the resources available to you and small high street kbb retail showrooms can be just fantastic businesses i absolutely agree with you and having attended the awards for god knows how long when the shortlist does come up in that great room of 800 people and we'll see the same names coming up every year. There's a reason why they come up every year, because they've got bloody good businesses. However, I think this year, I think we've got to look at how people have survived, how they've done things differently. They've all had to do and work very, very differently to bring in that income stream when the proverbial hit the fan. And that's what really intrigues me. You know, we talk about profitability, and you have to be profitable to be successful because otherwise you can't pay suppliers and you can't manage your business. But personally, I'm not looking at the business that makes the most money, but it's about what you've done during this period. And I genuinely believe we're going to hear some great stories, particularly about people that have had to furlough lots of people and have still survived with maybe just a core of people, whether that's family members or a core of people. But what they've done to do that, to survive, but these are all, I think, in particular, what sums up independent owner-operated businesses as well, that when crises like this happen, they're the ones that do the 28-hour days, 
and get stuck in and roll their sleeves up and they could be running the business one day and going and fitting a tap the next because that's what they are. They're at the heart of these businesses. It is not just their livelihood, it is their life. And I think when crises happen, that's what comes out, the survival instinct. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at the big brands, certainly over the last couple of weeks and months in, in the news, and they're the people that have been really hit by this pandemic. Big names have gone out of business because they've probably lost touch with their actual customer base, who their actual customers are. And sometimes it's the smaller people that know what's going on. I mean, it takes so much time to get an interaction with a customer. Don't lose it. You know, make sure you you don't lose it. Make sure you have the right relevant product to fulfill what they want. And I, I think that's the key. We're also looking at showrooms in these panels here. And, you know, showrooms are, we call them showrooms, but actually they're sort of retail experiences, aren't they? When they get them, when they're right and when they work properly, they're an experience for the customer. But of course, A, this year they've either been closed or B, they are covered in PPE, sanitizer, social distancing rulers, everything else. But of course, that's the challenge as well, is how do you maintain a retail experience, a customer experience, an aspirational approach to retail while keeping in line with all the guidelines and all the things that you have to do, not just for consumers, but keeping the staff safe as well. And that's, that's just as much of a challenge for the showroom as it is for running the actual business itself. I think I said to you last year, you know, it's not just about the razzle-dazzle and the mood lighting and the Nespresso machine. It's about the relevance of the product. And of course, you have to have product that brings people in and they go, wow, but have you got something cheaper? I, I get that. But also, it's about upselling as well. A lot of brands and a lot of manufacturers spend an awful lot of time in product innovation. Are the showrooms keeping up with that? Aesthetics is only one criteria in the showroom category. This is as much about using it as a sales tool and customer journeys and all that kind of thing. What you've got to remember is that consumer doesn't walk, want to walk in through the door look at it and turn around and walk out and go, bloody hell, I can't afford anything in this place. <laughs> you know, So you have to be relevant. You have to be relevant to your environment and your customer base. And that, that's really important as well. Just to finish up here, one of the things that's different about these awards compared to others is people send their entries in and you as the judging panel all score them and you go through them and that results in a shortlist. But what's different with these is, in normal years, the shortlist would all get visited by at least one judge. That's very important to the process. So what difference do you think that makes? I changed my mind, certainly, from the shortlist to visiting. I had preconceived ideas about certain businesses, which is you know, not a good thing to have. And when I actually went and met them, and, and it was the doors that I opened, you know, maybe a, uh, maybe a storeroom or, a, or, or talking to a customer service person, you know, I, I spent a good couple of hours at each one of these businesses and tried to speak to almost everybody. It was how I was almost greeted at the at the desk as well. I certainly did change my mind, and it's going to be difficult how we how we cope with that this year because we can't physically be there. We're, we're going to have to have some sort of video link and talk to the people and look at the showrooms, and but it is going to be difficult. And at the moment, customers aren't allowed in showrooms, so neither are judges. No, we're going to have to chalk this up as one of the things that's different for 2020, as everything has been different. But you know, it's still important to have that one-on-one conversation. It's still important to meet them, even if it is virtually. And you know, it's the same for everybody. It's, a, it's an even playing field. We've got to adapt and pivot uh, as much as anybody has in how we do these awards. And then hopefully 2022, we're, we're back to normal. Yeah, I, look, I, I actually enjoyed the really off-cuff conversations I had when I went to the retailers. 
because I got more out of those conversations. And hopefully the same thing will happen again this year. And, you know, it's not about standing on ceremony and worrying about what you're going to say. You know, most of the judges, I think all of the judges have all been in the industry long enough to know and are genuine people. You know, we, we want you to succeed. This isn't supposed to be uh, Chinese water torture going through these awards. It's supposed to be pleasant and the outcome's supposed to be fantastic for your business. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's what I always say. This isn't an audit. No. You know, it is it is a chance for you to to tell somebody who's in, who's very interested just how brilliant your business is. Yeah. And I think the main the main thing for me with the judges' visits is that you get to see the detail, the detail that perhaps you you didn't put in the entry form. But when you walk in, you go, "Oh, I love the way you've done that." Yeah. Or you know, I haven't noticed that before. But the way you you do this and this is just really clever. And they'll probably go, "Oh, yeah, we've done that for years." Didn't even think about it. Someone last year had set up a, a specific WhatsApp group for each of their installations from the installers to the end user to the customer, and, and they updated them every day. I thought that was just fantastic, you know, and it means that if you're out working and want to know how far your kitchen or your bathroom's getting on, you can literally log in every night and just have a look and have an update. Fantastic. So easy to do, and yet just a clever little thing that greases the wheels. It's clever, isn't it? Well, look, Paul, we could talk about this all day, and we usually do. Um <laughs> But thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sparing the time to do the judging because it is a, it is a big commitment. And I, I think it's important that we're, we're as open and transparent about this this year as much as we possibly can be to try and say to people, look, we know it's different. Everyone's experience of 2020 has been different. But just tell us about it. Tell us your story. That's the message. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Andrew. Be good. Thanks, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, all the best. That was Paul Crossley. He is one of our business judges at the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2021. Huge thanks to him for everything he does to support these awards. And there were some real nuggets in there for anyone putting an entry together. Top stuff. In the next episode, which I'll put out next week, we'll be meeting one of the design judges and asking them just what makes a winning design entry. Don't forget, closing date, Thursday, February 18th, And all the info you need is at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. And that link is in the episode description. I'll see you next time.